This is Andy Brewer with the Healthcare Insights Podcast, brought to you by Northwest Area Health Education Center at Wake Forest Baptist Health. And today, my guest is Jeff Smith, who is well known in our community um, as a community connector, uh, the original social influencer, and the social networker. <laughs> social networker before there was social networks. So, welcome this morning, Jeff. Well, how you doing, man? Good. It's good that, to see you. Good to see you. Thanks yeah. for coming in. Yeah. Um, you know, before we got started, I was telling you about how we're opening it up to community members to have a conversation about uh, social connections and how re- that's related to health care and all the issues related around health care, right. um, the health of the community and stuff like that. And I've said often that the opposite of addiction is social connection. And you are like the the original social connector. I mean, if I had one word for you, it would be you're a connector. I mean, yeah. you're, you're how I got connected with, say, Piedmont communities uh, through hands-on Northwest North Carolina, and you know, and we ha- we share a lot of similar friends in the social circles and stuff like well, that. I, you, know, you and I, you and I go way back to the Wild Wild West days of the <laughs> internet, so going back to like the late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah, and um, but um, connections has always been something that I'm a part of. That's why the newsletter was started was to get people connected in the website and then uh, some other things that I have done and still do and everything. But that's really the most integral part mm-hmm. of what Smitty's Notes is, is when you see the brand, you know that that's some type of connection mm-hmm. involved in it. Well, I think so. I mean, like Mayor Joins always says, uh, welcome to the overnight 20-year miracle, you know, that, that Winston-Salem is. And I think... I remember signing up for your newsletter way back in, say, 97, and that's how you heard about things. Mm-hmm. That's how people knew about what was happening, not only in Winston-Salem, but Greensboro and, and the surrounding areas. So it's been, you know, I've seen it grown from just that that original email list um, to what it is today, a yeah. website, a whole presence on social media, and, and uh, continuing to do the newsletter, which yeah. I just received. You know, just the biggest thing was that, you know, we had kind of like looked in to ourselves and saw that the community was changing. Um, you know, 97, that's when the Internet started. But, you know, we asked ourselves, how are people starting to get information? How are people getting information? And we saw that when people came in the community, um, they didn't know that what was going on. I mean, if you were local or had been here a while, you knew the ebb and flow of Winston-Salem. But if you were new and, you know, the hospital brings a lot of new people here, um, we couldn't get them tapped in. So really what uh, Smitty's Notes e-newsletter was, was a vehicle to kind of like start getting people connected mm-hmm. through that. And um yeah, well, the rest is history, as yeah. they say. Yeah. yeah, how many current members are there? On uh, there are sixteen thousand people uh, who get the newsletter. Um, the big thing now is social media. Uh, I've got probably eleven thousand three hundred people who are on my Facebook group. Uh, about fifty six hundred on Twitter, and probably 
probably 2,000 on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. LinkedIn's a lot more serious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, yeah. LinkedIn is kind of the professional network. So yeah. it, I like the fact that it stays that way. And, yeah. and, and I really like the, what you've done with the Facebook group, too. It seems to be very active. It gives people a forum to post things that are happening and once in a while it'll stray in the in the realm of uh, either reviews or something political which which I appreciate your uh hardline policy on not allowing that. No, I mean I think there are a number of places on the on the web and especially on Facebook that you can get political views and stuff and this is something that we don't feel is a good fit for yeah. the newsletter. Yeah, well, I mean, it, you, you share the good news, the things that are happening, and the important events, too. Yeah. I mean, the important events to the the forums for those conversations. And, right. And those conversations really weave into what we're doing here with social determinants of health and, and equitable health care outcomes right. and, and bridging the gaps that have existed in our communities, not just in Winston-Salem, but, but all over um, to get the dialogue open, to, yeah. to get people socially connected and involved. Yeah, and things changed too with the newsletter back in the early days when it was strictly events. And I realized in the early 2000s that um, it's more about community too, um, letting people know what's around Winston-Salem, not only just events, but um, you know things that are you know, uh, related to um, what the hospital's doing, um, you know, what other organizations are doing, things of that sort. Mm -hmm. And I've really enjoyed it. And it's been a learning process for me, too. Um, I've gone out and met folks and didn't know that, you know, things that they were involved in is something that, you know, I had an interest in, too. Mm -hmm. Well, I think there's a lot of people out there that are doing great things. And the the challenge is to get people to know about them Mm -hmm. and also schedule events that don't overlap other events that cannibalize each yeah. other and yeah and, and that was something that really the nonprofits kind of like thought about uh, you know uh, early on was that we needed a master calendar so to speak of uh, events that are going on so there's no any no overlap happening um i think we have done a better job with that um for years we had a thing called eventorama in mm-hmm. which um we had uh, smitty's notes visit winston-salem and the Arts Council involved with that, and that you know, helped out a whole lot. But now um, we have a, um, a uh, platform called, um, um, I forgot the name. Yeah, we'll pl- <laughs> I'll put it in the notes. <laughs> we'll figure it out. But um, really what this does is um, this new platform that we really is like four or five years old, um, not only my website's involved in it, but also Visit One Sale and the Downtown Partnership, mm-hmm. um, the Arts Council. And then um, from what I've been hearing, too, that the um, Chamber of Commerce might be involved in it, too. Okay. So we're getting close to having a master calendar. That's great, because yeah. I remember Vento Rom, and I was a big fan. And yep. It allowed people to post their community events. And it was a roll-up calendar of, of a yep. lot of things that were happening. And I've been involved in several uh, ideas, anyway, to get something like that going. And it's just, you know, you run into all the different interests that people have yeah. as far as business-wise, and it sometimes will put a barrier to getting and, that launched. And one of the things that we 
kind of treated it as a kind of like hands-off, let people post stuff mm-hmm. and everything. If it's straight more about promoting your retail business and things of that sort, we, we didn't allow that mm-hmm. and, and stuff. And I still have that philosophy now with my Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as it's like event-related, community-related, you know, it's fine to post it. But if it's anything related to promoting your business, retail business, mm-hmm. or um, anything related to political views or religious views mm-hmm. um, and everything that we just, it's, it's not the form to do it. Yeah, no, I agree. Now, you you brought up the, your sponsorship or the sponsorship from Best Choice, which right. is a Wake Forest Baptist yep. thing. You want to tell a little bit about that? Yep, um, I've been involved with Best Choice um, as a sponsor since March of this year. And really what we want to do is kind of like highlight really what Best Choice is, the center, and then what classes are offered or courses or um, um, things that per- someone might be interested in uh, knowing about mm-hmm. um, health care and everything. And that's been working well, well. I mean, I've had people who you know, walked up to me and said, hey, I didn't know that, you know, they this was involved in the community. And I said, yes, it is. And um, and uh, so it's also not only the newsletter, but on the website, so you can access it twenty four seven and everything to get there. Or you can just go to bestchoice.org, I think. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think it, just health care, personal health, nutrition, all yeah. those types of things are so important for the health of a community, yeah. as much as the social events that that you've always promoted and or at least informed people about. Right. Um, you know, Winston's changed certainly since the 90s when you know, when it's I changed a lot <laughs> yeah when I moved down here you know you you, you didn't go downtown it's like tumbleweeds and and I was told growing up you stay away from trade street <laughs> yeah yeah well I remember one of my first uh just forays into downtown Winston I was here for a frisbee tournament at Wake Forest and they had a little after party at some little deli downtown I think uh apple pawn shop is yeah. around there um but I remember, you know, they, they were telling us, is if you go outside, don't wander off too far. And I remember walking outside because, you know, that's that's just a challenge for me. And so I, I walk outside and I look around and desolate. It was like a Saturday evening, you know, and just nothing. And to see it changed over these years has just been incredible for the health of the community, the health of downtown businesses, the the vibe and the housing and all the things that have, have grown up. What... What what are, what are you most excited about now that there's a platform we've reached? I think we've reached critical mass with yep. restaurants and bars and things to do, and housing, um, all these things. What, what what's left to do? Oh, there's always room for improvement and stuff. Um, you know, I think Wake Forest has done a lot as far as like um, um, providing um, fuel for the uh, innovation quarter. Um, people don't realize how much energy that's created in the quarter because I live there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've lived at Everett Hall for 20 years, which is uh, right behind City Hall. And um, I've watched kind of like it grow over the last couple of years. But um, the last five years is like the critical mass period in which um, the hospital the uh, Wake Forest decided to move some of the departments down to the innovation quarter, um, um, get involved with entrepreneurship innovation and uh, which has been a big part and and, and kind of like let that fuel 
what was going on there, and it's a lot of energy. Now, mm-hmm. there, I mean, you've got, you know, restaurants have opened up. Um, you've got a lot of entrepreneurs. Uh, Venture Cafe meets there mm-hmm. uh, every week. Um, um, Flywheel, which is also a co-working space related to entrepreneurs, um, they were uh, in Innovation Park also. And mm-hmm. um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's added a lot of energy yeah, I, I think so. The energy word is something that I noticed, and I mentioned it on my last podcast about when you go to Biotech Place, Innovation Quarter, and you yeah. go to the new med school, you just feel the energy of all this actualization of potential. Yeah, and it's, just, it's just buzzing. It I is mean. buzzing, and it's you know it's Biotech Place. There's a lot of biotech startups, and like mm-hmm. you said, incubators and co-working spaces, and now you have... There's a Y down there, so you see people using, you know, their work, life, and play is also yeah. downtown, and, and that was important. And, and that's been the philosophy, work, life, and play, mm-hmm. um, and that kind of like feeds into uh, what the, the mantra has been for that area. Mm-hmm. Um, I could definitely thank uh, Dr. Eric Thompson, who used to be uh, president of uh, Wake Forest Innovations and also the Wake Forest Innovation Quarter, mm-hmm. uh, kind of like preach to everyone that that was the the route that we need to take and and and, and we've grown since then mm-hmm. yeah. well i think that's the formula for any community and we've modeled that downtown and we've seen the benefits of that now we do have pockets of communities still in winston and then also in the rural areas that don't have that formula of work life and play and then mm. are suffering because of it yeah and i think a lot of developers are are starting to see that as they create neighborhoods um new neighborhoods that um um that you need to kind of like have that integral part um you see sidewalks in neighborhoods now um that they built that they didn't do before and that's because uh, it allows people to kind of like um become more connected either walking walking a dog uh, running things of that sort and you meet your neighbors neighbors doing that process mm-hmm. and everything so um so i think that's been an integral part is just that the developers have kind of like taken a view that um, maybe we can kind of like drive the conversation to. Mm-hmm. Well, I love that too, that they're building real world spaces for people mm-hmm. to meet because we, we've, we've gone in this social media direction where social networks, the word socials in there and everyone's uh, participating in that, but that's not the real world. And, yeah. and I, I think people are, have license to say things on those networks that they wouldn't say in a group of people in the real world. Yeah, and I and, think, and I always say too, man, you always be respectful to people. Mm-hmm. You may have a disagreement as far as like a different view of things, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that you need to call anybody um, certain names and stuff. Just be respectful. But you know, a, a big joke that I tell people too is that. You know, with cell phones, I mean, you know, you can do everything from uh, call somebody to access your social media and and everything. But, you know, sometimes it's best to kind of like meet somebody. Yeah. And and that's something that I always tell people, just that use the phone to use the email to connect with someone, to meet with them to in person. To meet them in 3D, real life. Yeah. Yeah, because I think when you're looking at someone in the eye and you're seeing them as a human being, mm-hmm. that you see both their successes and failures and all the things that humans have, 
um, either going for them or against them, but it makes it real. And then you can listen better and you can communicate better. And, and, uh, I think, uh, I think that just, that's just so important. And one of the things that, um, you used to do, I don't know if you still do it, but the uh, dinner plus dinner with, with eight plus Smitty. Yeah. 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 Um, I had that program for 10 years. Um, uh, and evening with April Smitty was really a dinner program in which um, there was a community leader who was the draw for a particular night. And then with that, you would sign up for that dinner or any dinner that you thought any community leader mm-hmm. who, that you saw you might want to go to. And um, the purpose of it, it was to learn about more what was going on in Winston-Salem. Um, uh, I used to do a lot of board work, so I kind of like knew what was trending six months, a year down the road. So uh, they allowed me to kind of like tailor my uh, speaker list mm-hmm. um, to that. And so really when we announced the program for the next session, um, it was timely and everything. And what people did was they signed up for it. They usually had between um, 28 to probably 40 people always capped it at 40 mm-hmm. and um, and what it did was they learned about Winston-Salem but too and this is something that I found out early on was that they were looking just to connect with people and I would just basically just sit back and kind of like watch the table mm-hmm. talk to each other mm-hmm. and uh, through that um, a lot of great friendships were developed mm-hmm. um, with Evening with Eight um, I had some people who um, network as far as professionally and were able to kind of like you know, meet somebody, help them get a job. You know, I had some people who dated, mm-hmm. you know, with that. And then I had two people who got married, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, from the dinner program. So, um, and, and, and really the big thing about it is that what I found out is people want to meet other people. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it. I mean, you, you know, if I said early on, the one word that I would describe you as is a connector. Yeah. And, and that program uh, is a great way, you know, was a great model for people to connect. And I think for anyone listening out there, if, if there's one thing you could do in your community to spur a conversation amongst people who have a story to tell and then people who just need want to get out and meet and in, a, in an environment over food, break bread together, mm-hmm. and everyone's at the, the table's the same height for everybody. So it's like every, the, level, the playing field's level, and that way you can check your egos and expectations, and you might just meet someone that you didn't know you had anything in common, common. with. Yeah. Um, but and they may look different uh, or talk different, but they're you know we're all the same deep down. You know, one of the great things that I like about you know meeting someone and breaking bread, as you say, is it kind of like levels the playing field. I've had some conversations with people on social media and everything, and you know I'm going like, well, what is this person trying to get at? And you know the best thing you do is maybe meet this person in person. And, and, and that's what we've done. And it kind of like changes the tone a little bit. They realize that there's a face behind mm-hmm. um, um, that tweet or that that Facebook messenger conversation mm-hmm. and everything. And really, that's what the dinner program is all about. It's just that putting a face to what's going on in our community. Well, it allows us to slow down mm-hmm. and think about what we're saying and listen to what the other person's saying, which is so hard 
when you're behind a keyboard on a screen and I've heard it compared to road rage, you know, you're going fast down the road. So you're already accelerated in your emotional state and someone cuts you off and your first reaction is to, you know, curse them. Yeah. And, and that happens on social media a lot too. The first, your first move is to react and not to think and respond. And I think when, when we're meeting face-to-face and we're meeting in the real world, especially over a meal, because food unites us all, yeah. <laughs> that, uh, you know, that, that brings out really true, honest, genuine conversation and connects people in ways that they would not predict otherwise. I've got this rule that, you know, you know email and messaging, messaging someone for a quick question is great, mm-hmm. but after three hops, if you still got <laughs> the, still got questions and stuff, mm-hmm. it's either time to pick the phone up or meet in person. Yeah. Well, you know, I had that philosophy way back when I worked for a startup and we were doing social networking before it had a name, really. And we were focused on groups and getting community groups connected. But what we didn't realize was the first step is connect each person mm-hmm. and, and let them build their profile. So Facebook was really, you know, one of the. Well, I wouldn't say the first, but they were early on in getting that interface. Let me tell you about myself. Then I'll tell you about who I belong to, you know, that kind of thing. And and um, where was I going with that? Uh, <laughs> well, you know, what I was saying was uh, we were doing, we had discussion boards, yeah. message threads. Yeah. And you know how those things go. They can thread, thread, thread forever. And I said after three levels we're not going deeper. You know, if, if there's a discussion that keeps happening three level, it's usually the two people who stayed with the discussion arguing back and forth. And it's like, they need to meet, <laughs> you know, yeah. that's where I'm going to stop the online conversation because it's time for them to meet in the real world yeah. and figure out some commonalities, you know, or, or figure out what they can do about the problem that they're talking about. I mean, we talk, so many people talk about problems, talk about, oh, you know, infringement of rights or you're, you're, you're infringing on my pursuit of happiness. It's like, what about responsibility? Yeah. You know, I've seen that before on various Facebook groups and stuff. And my question is, it's great to kind of like talk about things, but are you doing anything to kind of like, make it better Mm -hmm. um i'm more inclined to um be with people who are doers Mm -hmm. um um, problem solving um figuring out exactly what the issue is and then what the solution may be Mm -hmm. but if you're going to just keep talking and talking and talking and talking about it yeah it's not you're not really adding to the conversation so to speak yeah well you're probably Mm -hmm. adding to your emotional uh, build up of whatever the topic is and and without doing anything about it and that just kind of foments in someone and I'm fascinated with the, the you know taking potential energy and make it actual make right. it kinetic so kinetics are what we're talking about is getting into the community to go out there and figure out how you can make a difference and sometimes it's just you know fixing what's making you angry about your own little world that you're in you know maybe your car is you know you've got that little tire on your car you know that that went flat three months ago and you hadn't done anything about maybe go start with that and then you'll ride smoother you know what i'm saying And, and one thing that you know 
Smitty Snotes does and, and what I've done is that maybe someone has a problem and not realizing that there is a solution for it already. Mm-hmm. You just, it's a matter of just pointing that person mm-hmm. to where that solution may be right? or how it's been addressed. Why, you know, again, connection, connecting that energy and that emotion with a way in which you can bring that out into the community. I mean, if you're if you're upset about, you know, this political divide that seems to be growing greater, well, figure out ways in which you can get involved directly with your local community, not not politically, per se, but address some of the issues that you think are going wrong with you know your your society but at a a hyper local level and i think that's why it's so important to have people like you to help connect us and let us know what's going on who's doing what so that we can have that outlook and that just that just breeds healthier communities when people get out into the real world and connect with each other yeah you know one thing that i try to do uh a lot more now is um basically um get out and attend some things or just connect with people on the street mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, it could be me drinking a, a soda and eating Mentos over at uh, Washington Park on 4th Street <laughs> <laughs> and everything, but you'd be amazed uh, the people that you run into mm-hmm. and you find out a lot of information that way too. Mm-hmm. But also too that, you know, um, doing the conversation, you kind of like talk about exactly what, the direction the city's going mm-hmm. what do we need to work on or maybe what the solution could be mm-hmm. and everything you know one of the biggest things that i um kind of like cherish is that i used to write for um relish magazine years ago mm-hmm. and everything and um i was getting out of the car and i ran into a homeless person and everything and i was getting on uh, the print version of relish because i hadn't seen it and everything and the person said, hey, you're Smitty. And I said, yeah. <laughs> and he said, I like what you do. And I was a little surprised because this is someone who I wasn't expecting to um, read my work mm-hmm. and everything. But we had a great conversation uh, for about 20 minutes about, you know, various things and, and stuff. And, and that they really kind of, like, touched me mm-hmm. a lot. And um, even that on Trade Street, um, you know, uh, from the bus uh, transfer area, which is the bus center, all the way down to um, uh, Salvation Army, it's kind of like a lot of homeless people who go back and forth. And every once in a while, I, you know, I talk to folks. I say, how do you get in your situation? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and things of that sort. Well, and so, you, you know, you want to kind of like stay in touch with what's going on around you and maybe kind of like not provide a solution, but be aware mm-hmm. of what they're going through. Well, I think you you brought up in my mind a lot of issues that we discuss here, especially in healthcare and and how care is delivered, but also in the general world and how we work with each other. But the notion of biases, both conscious and unconscious. Cause you saw a homeless person, and mm-hmm. then they destroyed your initial bias by saying, "Hey, I read your stuff. I like what you do." And, yeah. and I think that people who are have a lot of energy potential energy about talking about the homeless you know issue just to stay on that thread um might serve themselves well to go out and talk to somebody and just you know you know get into conversation with someone and figure out what really those issues are and how they got there before we 
have our biases about how they became homeless. Oh, yeah. you're an addict or, oh, you're m- mentally ill or wh- whatever, or, or it, you know, who knows what the circumstances mm-hmm. is. And we project what society wants us to think about these things mm-hmm. instead of finding out for ourselves. And yeah. I think a lot of minds can be changed or thinking can evolve based on getting out and talking with people who don't look like you, who are in different situations than you are. And, Genuine communication cuts through those biases, and it will grow you as an individual by recognizing, oh, wow, I I had this whole uh, expectation of what this person was, and it was totally different after I sat and talked with someone for 20 minutes. You know, I sit there and think about uh, my parents uh, at an early age with me um, telling me the same thing. And as I got into my early 20s, um, I was lucky that a group of friends that I hung, away, hung out with in college, a good portion of them actually moved to Winston-Salem and everything. And we kind of evolved our friendships through the uh, years and everything, but we uh, were of different races and stuff. And every once in a while, they would come over to the house where my mom and dad were and, and, and just hang out and everything. And my mom would say, so what's the Rainbow Coalition up to? (laughs) (laughs) Right. You know, because, you know, there were a couple of African-Americans, a couple of whites, a couple of Indians, a couple of Asians Mm -hmm. (laughs) and stuff. And I think that's uh, helped me out tremendously as far as as my worldview, as far as how I see things. Mm -hmm. Because nothing is black and white. Mm -hmm. There is some gray mm-hmm. and let's talk about the gray yeah well everyone's wants to well every, i won't say everyone a lot of people are judgmental and, mm-hmm. and that comes from the biases mm-hmm. and you know again connecting with people who don't look like you or don't share the same views and just sitting down check your emotions because really when again when you're looking someone face to face you're sharing the same time space with them over a drink, a coffee, or, or a, a meal. I mean, that's when you can cut through all the other things that society wants you to believe, mm-hmm. and you can find out for yourself about yeah. this person, their their struggles, their, their victories, and all those things. Yeah. And, you know, I have people ask me if Evening with 8 Plus Smitty would come back. Uh, after 10 years, I felt that it kind of – ran its course as far as what it was designed to do. Um, I do bring it back every once in a while if it's something special mm-hmm. that's going on or a speaker that I think um, will be a, a good conversationalist and stuff. But anybody can have Evening with Eight yeah. plus Smitty. Um, I, I know that the uh, um, Echo Council um, had the conversation groups mm-hmm. in which they were designed to basically – uh, have a potluck dinner mm-hmm. and you invite people who you know who were not like you or you had different views and stuff mm-hmm. and you have conversations yeah and stuff i and think yeah i think that's a wonderful model that can be replicated anywhere yeah. and i think that's the facebook groups we need to promote is your local community group and we're going to have a forum with this topic and we're going to have a moderator in case it starts getting off topic, but let's have a sit down. Everybody have a conversation about, 
you know. And this is in person, right? Yeah, so not in person. That's right. That's what uh, I mean. A, a, yeah. a real world face group, yeah. Facebook like group. Exactly. Yeah, I think that that's important. And so, and, and again, we it brings back to food, which is the great connector, but it's also <laughs> the indicator of the health of the community of what food is available and 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 the lost art of culinary. Um, in just everyday, you know, the everyday experience. I don't know if your parents cooked at home, but I, you, know, you know, it was understood you were at the house at six o'clock and everyone yeah. sat down and we had a meal together. And, yeah. that, and that's one of the things that the Brenner Fit Kitchen and their programs and our culinary arts programs are trying to get back as part of the ethos of our society. Is, I, I think we've lost that. I mean, really, I mean, with fast food and delivery and things of that sort that you can always get food anytime anywhere from your favorite restaurant Mm -hmm. but are are you doing it by yourself are you doing it with a bunch of people Mm -hmm. you know that that's the question well and it's not just uh the preparation of it it's the where did the food come from and you know we had a garden every year growing up and i kept that going until i moved to a condo with no yard but um you know there's a lot of houses I pass by and people have these pristine lawns and, you know, the, I mean, some HOAs wouldn't even allow gardens <laughs> and things like that. But but I think just bringing back that uh, is, you know, hey, let's have the community garden. Everyone yeah. everyone can. And we see it right up here on Hawthorne Road, the, the little co-op up there. And, and there's... Because we've, we've had a couple. I know there was one um, right off near the Burger King in East Winston mm-hmm. that was a community garden for right. a while. Um, um, the children's home. Yeah. Oh, community. yeah. Well, we had Claudette in yeah. last week, and yeah, and she brought that. Mama up. Mama Claudette, Claudette, I call her, <laughs> and everything. That's right. Yeah, because she's she's she always sends me thank yous and happy birthdays mm-hmm. uh, and stuff. And you know, my mom passed away about ten years ago, and everything. But Claudette always remembers stuff yeah she, she, M- milestones that i have and and i appreciate that yeah well back to the back to the the, the guy i heard the phrase recently is tend to the garden you can touch and i think that's a metaphor for not only literally well it's literally you know tend to a garden if you live in a place where you could start one or there one exists that you want to get involved but also metaphorically in that the issues that you seem to be or anybody seems to be emotional about and want you know and outspoken about and i'm talking about behind a keyboard and the screen on facebook or wherever or twitter or even worse um but to actually go find those gardens in your community where you can touch, physically touch somebody mm-hmm. or some effort that's going on that you can be a part of. You know, I heard this um, saying that always tend to your 20-foot swath. And 20-foot is your arms reaching out, you know, back and forth. And the idea is, yes, there's a national issue that this is going, something's going on. But let me tell you about what I'm doing at home. Mm-hmm. You know, um, in the 20 foot swath is what you're doing at home. Yeah, there's a big picture of what we're looking at, but there's a smaller picture where I can make a, uh, I guess, influence mm-hmm. or or a contribution to. Well, that's again, I think it's about putting the potentiality, potent, 
yeah, potentiality, potentiality <laughs> into actuality, where you can actually affect the world in which you know be the change that you want to see. You yeah. know that that thing we could wax philosophical on that for hours, I think, and 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 the opportunities. But again, I think connections, getting people aware of what's happening in their communities, is is so important, and, and just really appreciate the work you've done in this area. And it started out you know social and and because there wasn't that much there was a dearth of things happening for that age group was 18 to 35 i remember when i turned 36 i was like dang do i have to unsubscribe from smitty's notes now you you were kind of like you know with an age range sort of (laughs) so that's been adapted and one of the things i love about that is you, you you took that demographic and we got that built up and that just continued to reach you know to grow on both ends so the younger people and the older people you know wanted to know and be at these events too so it created a really nice community fabric yeah, and I think. I, you know i've changed along with the demographics over the years and stuff and i asked this question to a good friend of mine i've known a long time i said when does this end when does smitty's notes end you know um you know you know, when I get 65, 65 will this still be a Smitty's Nuts? He, he said, Jeff, when you get old, I'll still be with you. Yeah, that's right. And, and, and that's cool. I mm-hmm. mean, that would be great, you know, at least. But as long as I have morphed um, uh, into still thinking about not only my generation, but the generation behind me mm-hmm. um, and, and seeing what their concerns are. Well, again, I think that's been the thread throughout. I mean, you definitely highlight new restaurants and new venues and, and happenings and things, but it's also been, look what these groups, these community groups are doing, because at, at the end of the day, those are the glue that holds the societal factor fa- fabric together in any location. And I think... Uh, you know, we, we, we do, we are blessed with a lot of community groups who are doing great things in our community to solve those problems that we hear about nationally and internationally on the news every day that people get so emotional about and charged up. And it's like, you can solve, you can help solve this right in your backyard, right right in your backyard. We have it, the same issues, but they're on a the hyper-local level. So direct that energy from your keyboard and start connecting, go out and, and connect. Yeah, and meet people and mm-hmm. figure out what, what the issue is. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the biggest things related to my website and also my newsletter is, you know, I'll ask you this question. What's the biggest thing that kind of like draws people um, to my newsletter and, and the website? What's the biggest thing? Yeah. Well, information, yeah. uh, you know, the events, and, and it's trust. It's, trust, yeah. Oh. But the biggest thing I've seen, and, I, you know, and I'm kind of like I'm a data person. I slice and dice and julienne data. But the biggest thing is food. Yeah. <laughs> I sit there and I look every time the newsletter goes out, and I look at the metrics um, after it goes out. And anything related to a restaurant opening, a restaurant closing, or um, a restaurant making big changes, it always is a draw. Well, I guess that's because restaurants are connectors, too. Yeah. I mean, you don't get to decide who's eating there while you're eating there, yeah. you know, and, and it is it is a melting pot of people. And it also is a common interest that people share. I mean, if it's a new Mediterranean food place, then people who like Mediterranean food yeah. gravitate for it. I mean, I remember we 
you know, our, our choices for Asian food were very limited. Mm-hmm. And now there's what, five Thai restaurants downtown, yeah, something like that. And you know, maybe three, but there's still a lot. <laughs> well, you know, one of the things too, and you know, you can tell how the community has evolved over the years is that the number of, um, uh, grocery stores that are, um, uh, made or who have been brought through, um, for food, within their own community mm-hmm. um it used to be just the greek super grocery stores mm-hmm. and stuff small boutique um, grocery stores now we've got you know the asian we've got indian mm-hmm. um we've got filipino mm-hmm. um and it used to be a ethel kind of like an ethiopian's south central african mm-hmm. grocery store in place so um so our communities evolved over the years, and you know, and, and the biggest indicators, the type of grocery stores that we have. True, true, yeah. yeah. That means that when you have grocery stores like that, that means you have people who service those grocery stores, which mm-hmm. means that your community is becoming a lot more diverse. Yeah. No, I've seen that change. I used to live on uh, Sunnyside, Southside, and yeah. seen the changes that have happened oh, there. Oh, the I Hispanic mean, restaurants. You know, I some mean, of the oh, best. The grocery stores, yeah. Some of the best I've ever That's where I go to the butcher shop down there, mm-hmm. and, and uh, I, I do a lot of shopping, get produce there. It's the cheapest and just the most variety. I mean, stuff you'd only see in the West Indies or yeah. something, and now you see it on the on the tables in in south side winston-salem so that's that's a good um so that brings up some of the issues uh that we've addressed sometimes in social determinants of health and that is um access to nutrition and Mm -hmm. and what and and i think part of the community development i know there's some uh energy to revitalize that whole um mlk Fifth, third to fifth or sixth street area there's a new or a plan anyway in place it's supposed to have retail shopping food housing all these things in that corridor between winston state so that's a huge development for for that neighborhood which always gets you know singled out as oh it's a food desert and this and that and these are the problems that are uh, that are contributing to uh the you know the lack of economic development in that yeah. area do you have anything to share on that well i mean i think it's more it's it's important to kind of like use that area for economic growth and, and change and stuff and a number of people have used that to kind of like promote their um, own type business related to economic change um we as a community um uh need to embrace it and i'm just saying um, uh, the community as a, the African American community that we should support it mm-hmm. um, uh, as that change happens. Um, you know what kind of floored me was a couple. I guess it was a year ago that uh, our communities were you know big is a large demographic demographic related to food deserts mm-hmm. and stuff. And what are we going to do about that? And you know I'm kind of watching what. Um, is being done down on Peters Creek Parkway mm-hmm. um, near Academy um, Street, in which uh, the new uh, co-op grocery store is going to go. Mm-hmm. You know, how is that going to be be make a contribution to that that issue mm-hmm. um, and stuff? And you know, we need more co-op type you know grocery stores, but you know it's tough too because um, grocery stores have a um, very thin margin that they operate on. Mm-hmm. 
I think the profit is like uh, at five percent. Yeah, and everything's raised in. Yeah, so um, so it's a lot tougher um, for some of the smaller grocery stores to be in existence, mm-hmm. and that's why you see the larger chains. Uh, you know, I, I see all the time. You know, there should be a grocery store downtown. Well, yeah and no. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you know we're we're growing. You know, as far as downtown, as far as people living there, but we don't have the critical mass of support. A grocery store. A full-on grocery store, yeah. 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 Well, I have noticed the, up, you know, the surge or, or the growth in the smaller grocery-type market. Yeah. So that's kind of bringing back a, to a, a previous time when yeah. you had lots of little family-owned grocery stores. I'm talking about, like, Washington Park downtown, and, yeah. and there's a couple other new markets down there. And, and so that's a good development. But I, I think I – I forgot the name of that whole new development there, but I think – um, you know, to tie in the Winston-Salem State, it's got to be just a lot of energy with the students and stuff to tie in something that's a draw for them mm-hmm. just up the street. And also it ties in that area with downtown and that whole uh, research parkway. And you mentioned Flywheel, which is now at the Center for Design Innovation, I think, isn't which it? Which is now they're moving to um, 500 West 5th Street. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. So I'm um, kind of like an entrepreneur hub. Okay, that's going to be now. That's good. And you know, but I think there's still there's all that open development space in Research Parkway there mm-hmm. too. But I think, I mean, if you look in 20 years from now, what's that going to look like? Yeah. That might, you know, hopefully it won't look exactly the same as it is now. But there'll be so a lot more development. Maybe somebody's got an entrepreneur spirit who's at Venture Cafe. Yeah, <laughs> would get that idea that that might be an opportunity for them. Right, right. So you know, it's again, uh, you know, we we've seen as as I like to quote Mayor Joins the overnight twenty year miracle that's that's happening in Winston Salem, and I've seen it also happen or starting to happen in smaller communities. You know, Moxville and. You know, you know these areas to the west where all these vineyards have popped up and brought economic development that way, and it, of a different kind, but it still is starting to be an attraction. And, yeah. and some of these little play like uh, what's that uh, little town over there off seventy seven? Um, not Eden, but um, shucks, now I can't think of it. Um, I think it starts with an E. Uh, we get a time code and we'll edit this out. <laughs> <laughs> Elkin Creek. Elkin. Yeah. Yes. Elkin yeah. is what I was talking about. Actually, Elkin has has a little bit of a food right. um, culinary culture mm-hmm. up there uh, for some reason. Well, this I think it's to the wineries because yeah. there's 10 or so wineries right around there. And that's brought not only just the, the wine crowd, but it's brought music and entertainment yeah and the culinary part uh, part of it i know i think it's elkin creek winery that has mm-hmm. sunday brick oven pizza they actually had bricks imported from italy yeah and they had a guy an art artisan create that oven and apparently you have to send in your order days ahead of time so that you're showing up on sunday to get your pizza yeah, really yeah, yeah it's 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 for real so um you know those are the types of things i've seen just blossom in other towns when there's well economic development's the huge but it's also you know places that people congregate and connect 
And that just leads to so much more energy to get things done right where where we live. Yeah, you know, I want to you know give a hats off. You know, you know, the mayor said that this has been a twenty year experiment, yeah. uh, so to speak. Um, it took a lot of people getting on the same page back in the late nineties, early two thousands to kind of make what we see today mm-hmm. happen. Um, for one, they believed that um, it could happen, um, and a new generation of folks who can make things happen got on board, and all of them have made contributions along the way mm-hmm. and everything. So for what you're enjoying right now as far as the community um, in downtown and also uh, around, it's been the effort of a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And the, and the key is there, it, it took effort, and yeah. it took those people to come together yeah. and agree that, hey, this is something we need to do, and these are some ideas and way we, we yeah. want to do it. You know, and the funny thing about it is I've had a number of people in Greensboro who've come over to Winston and said that you guys really have your act together and stuff. And it's because, for one, we looked at it as we were kind of like a dying community and that we need to kind of get – get together so what happened was you had the um establishment um meet the grassroots folks in the middle and we figured out how to work together mm-hmm. and and that's been the attitude around here it's an dna now that pretty much if anybody knew this coming in to our community um we would do what we can to kind of help this person out if they had to have a great idea because we want them to, to succeed mm-hmm yeah, I think that's that's great. I mean, I th- again, cooperation and people actually putting energy in, and that's I guess main point I want to get across is is you know people need to get involved, and you yeah. know if you if you feeling strongly about something, go find a way to help solve yeah. that or help connect people who can solve and and be a part of the community. And I think though that having that type of energy at an individual level is is just tremendous for your own health both mm-hmm. physical and mental and social health and we you know one of the terms we haven't used yet is social capital and i think if anything yeah. that's what you've been a builder of and and a catalyst for the building of social capital yeah i didn't know what it was <laughs> until until the one sam foundation had a um social capital initiative that they um had going on in the late 90s early 2000s and once i saw that i realized that that is something that i was doing too and we both connected with each other Mm -hmm. and 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 stuff and met some great um social capital um leaders in the country Mm -hmm. um met uh, dr robert putman who wrote the book bowling alone which is a uh, kind of like a, a synopsis of what social capital is. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's kind of curious why is it titled Bowling Alone? Well, what happened was um, bowling leagues, um, they were growing, and they couldn't figure out why they were growing. And what happened was instead of people vote, going and bo- using bowling leagues to bowl, they were actually bowling alone mm-hmm. and everything. So when someone bowls singly versus as a group, uh, you need more, you know, bowling Infra- alleys. Infrastructure. Yeah, yeah bowling alleys. And that's been a bigger symptom of a lot of issues that we've had 
um, going forward. Um, it's related to civic groups. Mm-hmm. It's related to churches. Mm-hmm. You know that you know the memberships have been dwindling. Yeah. Yeah. I heard a statistic this morning is for every one new member they lose five in yeah. the church. Yeah. So and and traditionally, uh, that's been the core of the community, and especially in impoverished communities today. Is like what what happened? Well, the church just didn't wasn't attracting new members, yeah. so it was instead of growing, it was doing the opposite, and so we've lost that social capital that they brought, and whether. You know, you're religious or not, it still was the community organization in most smaller communities, especially. So um, I think that, uh, you know, anything people can do to connect uh, to others for a common cause, I mean, that's social capital to to increase that. And it does, it, it takes a lot of effort and it takes a lot of networking and and just but most importantly it takes exposure being out meeting people in the real world yeah you know in the real world you can't emphasize it enough and, and and we've lost the town square yeah that notion of there's a central place where people come together and talk about whatever's on their mind and and we now with especially with smartphones even out here on hawthorne you know the smokers used to be like the most social group you know, you'd see them like, oh, yeah, they're doing bad behaviors, but look at them. They're all talking, and they all share something in common that broke through a barrier to communication, right? Yeah. They all were in this tribe together. Well, guess what? Now they're tribes of one because they're on their phones and smoking. Yeah. You know, so we've lost that even. <laughs> you know, one of the funniest things is uh, people don't realize I had a career for 30 years as a, as a litigation paralegal. And I retired in February of last year. But when I joined the company that I was uh, at for 21 years uh, and everything, um, they were uh, going through a um, uh, merger and stuff. So it was a new experience for me going from a private sector, I mean, private law firm to a uh, a company uh, sector. Mm -hmm. And what I learned about the company so much more was from people who were out in the smoke hole Mm -hmm. because there were a lot of folks out there (laughs) and they talked about, you know, the company, their situations, um, the company culture, things of that sort. So I learned a lot from Mm -hmm. those folks um, doing my first six months and everything. Mm -hmm. And and you're right. That was the, quote, social capital Mm -hmm. um, of our company was the people who were out in the smoke hole. Well, at least it was real conversation, yeah. too. And and now it's seemingly we've gotten more divided, and but everyone's got m- plenty to say. They're just not saying and it to, each, to each, other. each other. And that's where I think we've lost the social capital part of social networking. Social networking is ripping the fabric of social capital apart because it's giving people a venue to vent, but they're not really venting to anyone. And, and, and most of the people, like if you scroll through your feed and you see, oh God, this person's ranting again, ignore, you know, it's real easy to. But when you're sitting there staring at someone face to face and they're telling you something, they're probably doing it A, more authentically and honestly, but B, you're in their presence. And you, well, you know, maybe we'll see a, a wave uh, in the next few years of kind of like a revolt mm-hmm. in which people say, yeah, technology's been a great tool, but I need, 
you know, person, mm-hmm. social action mm-hmm. um, in my life mm-hmm. um, to kind of like move forward. Yeah. And everything. Don't let technology um, be the driver of your life. Just make it a supplement of your life. Well, I think social media addiction is just like any other addiction. The, the antidote is social connection like mm-hmm. and i you know personally i removed facebook off my phone i mean i you know only look at it on the pc when i'm looking at something for work you know because i've managed the northwest ahec facebook page as well right and um adopting now i'm going to adopt your three hop rule on my phone if there's a thread that goes more than three levels deep i'm gonna say hey wait let's meet Let's meet and talk about this. There's a great coffee shop down here, or you know, there's. Let's, I'm hungry. Let's 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 meet for some food and let's talk. Because yeah. I think I think that should be the revolt. The revolt should be say, look at your screen usage time, and if it exceeds the time that you've spent actually looking someone and talk, having a real conversation with someone, then mm-hmm. you need to you need to work on ways yeah. to turn that back around. Yeah, just put parameters on it. And yeah, stuff. and. And you can do that, mm-hmm. you know, is, you know, because, you know, you are your own boss. Yeah, true. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we, we're letting these devices be our boss and not, not the other way around. So I think, and I've, you know, I, some of the podcasts I listen to, they, you're talking about OTG off the grid, you know, going back to flip phones <laughs> and, you know, you know, removing technology from their daily lives, from their social lives and using it strictly for work. Yeah. And, and, and it's best to kind of like put this down mm-hmm. some days and yeah. just have a off-the-grid day, mm-hmm. you know, during the week and say, listen, I'm not going to kind of like answer my emails or uh, deal with social media stuff and mm-hmm. everything and kind of like, you know, just connect with people. Yeah. And I, again, I, I mean, I can't overemphasize the connecting with people. I mean, I've worked here in this hospital. It's a teaching hospital. And we talked about the energy downtown. I, I mentioned this in the intro of the last podcast is that the energy here is still, I mean, the energy level is so high, just like it is downtown, but it's for a different reason. And that's why, you know, I, I, I go down, I like to walk to the cafeteria and just look around. I don't take my phone and I just look around at people. And some people are here for the worst possible reasons. And their lives all of a sudden became very acute to whatever this problem was. I mean, just hyper-focused issue that they're dealing with. And it's some people it brings out the worst in, but most people, they see the humanity in themselves mm-hmm. and they want their glad to share with yeah. you you know i mean it's just getting out there and seeing and talking and yeah it, it doesn't hurt that be compassionate mm-hmm. to another human being yeah and everything i learned a lot about compassion when um, i developed ms tw- you know 10 years ago mm-hmm. and everything that um um you know for one how is it going to change my life mm-hmm. and everything and then how am i going to deal with certain situations mm-hmm. and stuff but um, I use a wheelchair um, um, primarily, and it's adapted for my car too, and everything. But I've made a choice too to um, have people help me get the wheelchair in mm-hmm. and everything. And I've had probably ninety-five percent, you know, um, 
no problems whatsoever mm-hmm. of people wanting to help out because this is a very giving community mm-hmm. and everything. Now, the other 5%, <laughs> you know, there's some people who have their issues. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think that's common. I mean, I, I think, you know, in any situation where you see someone's actually looking for, uh, you know, some help, yeah. that most people are willing to, to, yeah. to step up and help. So that that's good. I, I one little story I wanted to share. Um, one of the really profound interactions I had was I was down in the West Indies and I was on this little island and this island you can only get there by boat and I was kind of hung over too I was just there to sleep and you know stay you know in the shade and and just hang out and try to overcome this headache and, and um this uh fisherman guy came up and he just walked up and he sat down under the tree close to me and uh there was this big ball of old fishing nylon right. string that just trash is what I saw it as. And I watched him sit there. I mean, I didn't have anything to do. I was just like you know, hating life myself at that moment. And I sat there and watched him take this big old seemingly tangled mess of trash and he untangled it. it took him about three hours. To do, and he had a stick, and he was just untangling. He was wrapping around a stick, untangling, so methodically, barely looked up the whole time. And at the end of the thing, he had a stick with perfectly wound fishing line. Mm-hmm. And I saw him go get a hook and hook it up and put a weight on it. And he went out and got a whelk, which is like a little snail thing. He broke it open and got used his bait and threw it out and caught a fish. And I was like, that is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And my, when he came walking up with his trash, I was like, what the hell is he going to do with his trash? You know, and he's kind of, you know, weather beaten, you know, old, uh, you know, and one shorts right. are kind of right. raggedy. And so I had my, my biases just were all a fire of, you know, yeah, this guy's just, you know, he's probably going to ask me for five dollars or something you know or whatever seeing so go to the bar and so that my unconscious bias just had a whole different picture but i learned a lesson in patience and perseverance there that i've it's never been topped and yeah and, and he, 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 if he was there for three hours he was in a hurry right. and everything he just you know was worried about getting the net undone to go fishing to catch his dinner and that's it well, that not only that, he had fishing equipment yeah. that he already had, but that he saw that not as trash, but potential. Yeah. And he took that potential and he made it reality. Three hours just sitting there. I mean, just so focused on that work. And it just, it struck me so profoundly that, you know, you seemingly look at something and just discard it and discount it. But yet someone else will come along and see it and make it something useful and beautiful, really. Yeah. Yeah. I think, if anything, we as people need to slow down a little bit, look around, and there are lessons for us to learn all around us. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of just being aware that the lessons are there Mm -hmm. and stuff and be receptive to it. Because uh, I'll tell you, um, I'm 55 years old, and I've met some great people 
along the way doing this journey because it's not a lifetime for me. Mm -hmm. It's just really a journey moving on to the next chapter. Mm -hmm. And I've met some great people, and it's just a matter of taking time, stopping, mm-hmm. and talking with people. Well, I think that's one thing. I mean, I, I, you know, you being in a wheelchair, I mean, it probably provides opportunities or the, creates opportunities when you're just hanging out, taking your time somewhere. Because I've run into you at various places, and it's like you probably have a lot more interactions just because you're sitting down yeah. and just looking around before you're ready to go, you know, load up and stuff. My, my view has changed since I've been in the wheelchair. For one, going to the grocery store, I found a lot of cool stuff down the lower <laughs> shelves. <laughs> it's not I, all did, sugar, that, sweet, and cereal. Yeah, that I didn't, <laughs> didn't pay attention to before and everything, so that's been great. But second, I, what's helped out with me being a wheelchair is being open about it mm-hmm. and being open about my MS and everything because – what you want to do is provide someone who either A, has that, the MS, because MS had different forms and stuff, and them being able to talk about it or a family member being able to talk about it too mm-hmm. and everything. Um, uh, if anything, what you want to do is kind of like make someone feel comfortable in, in, in reaching out and talking about it. Mm-hmm. So that's why I've been open because, you know, the Lord has, you know, basically – bless me the last 20 years of celebrity mm-hmm. and everything and this is my contribution to it if i can help somebody out mm-hmm. um doing the process um i will and and ms has been that process mm-hmm. well that's great the the change in perspective i love that yeah. grocery store it's like wow i didn't know this uh, yeah i mean <laughs> you know look in places you you don't normally see and see what you find and yeah. this is the lesson yeah, life, there life life is slowed down for me but in a good way mm-hmm. well i think we all could benefit from slowing down a little bit there's a t-shirt that's always uh very popular down in the west indies i keep mentioning that because i go down there frequently and yeah. it's, it's uh live slow sail fast yeah. you know so do the things that you know contribute do those with vigor and when you're not doing those slow down and and perceive things and and learn something new and i really appreciate you uh jeff because you've been a great connector and a great friend throughout the years yeah and, and, and um, you know you know if anything i this is a great community um, um this hospital has been great as far as not only to me but also our community and stuff and also too i want to thank you for your friendship too because you know andy and i go way back to the wild wild west of the internet <laughs> <laughs> back in the, early, the late 90s and yeah. stuff so it's it's been a long rich friendship yeah and and i've seen the community change and you've you've played such a big part of that and i, I just hope that there's smitties in in every neighborhood and community that that catalyze these connections because the health the health care, the health care outcomes of a community really start with those social connections. Exactly, Jeff, I appreciate you coming today. I enjoyed it. Thank you.